0: The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch-ch-chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
2: Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and today I'm joined by Colin Watt. Um, On a Thursday it's normally PJ and JP, but JP is otherwise engaged. He will tell you all about it, I'm sure, next week when he's back on the show. Um, And it will be a good one. Get, comment, and there's plenty happening around Celtic at the moment. Yesterday, Colin, we were just talking about Chris Julian being on his way and who can we replace him with, etc, etc. But... That story has developed overnight. We'll be talking about that. We'll be talking about the first Argentinian ever to sign um, and play for Celtic, as he undoubtedly will. And all the other rumours surrounding Jota and everybody else who may or may not be coming to Celtic. Um, We're really in the midst of it, aren't we, Colin? We're really in the midst of the the transfer merry-go-round at Celtic at the moment.
3: Yeah, it's uh, exciting times. Obviously, pre-season's already started. All the non-international players are back. We're getting the international players back next week. We're off to Austria for the first pre-season friendly. I think it's a week on Tuesday, is that right? six? Six, week on Wednesday? You're asking me to mathematically work that out in my head. Yeah, okay, it's, it's a bit early for that. I'll give you that. Um, but yeah, obviously, all things are on the go at the minute. And uh, do you know what, Paul? It's just good to have the Celtic back. That is all I can say.
2: No, it, it actually is, and that's the main thing. We're going to be taking a wee step back in time, actually, because um, anyone who's followed Axrom since its inception, uh, way back 2017, A Celtic State of Mind started as a an audio podcast, which is one of the reasons why you and I met. I met you at okay. Greenock CSC for, was it the 50th anniversary of Lisbon? yep. yep. Um, and on that particular night in the fantastic Greenock CSC I've got to put that in there I've visited a lot of Celtic supporters clubs in my time but it is up there it's one of my favourites if not my favourite out there Colin and uh, you know I was picking up my podcast equipment that night and you and I had our first discussion and from there we've done various things like live events with Celtic players and obviously a Celtic state of mind you've ran your own show on the channel etc but when we started, it was an audio podcast, since we moved into the video side of things, which was a big risk when you look at the motley crew we've got on the Axelom Contributors list, calling, but, you know, I think it was a, a risk worth taking. Um, we obviously did that, and it was just by luck that we were going to you know, be talking um, through the 10-in-a-row season as it was meant to be. And we know what happened. Uh, but at that time, near the end of this show, we're going to be able to look at, at where we were at that moment with, with Neil Lennon, the comings, the goings, and everybody knows what happened. But there was an interesting wee um, info- bit of information we were given. And I'm going to say by source Colin because it was effectively by the source uh, of the players who um, Neil Lennon wanted to sign for Celtic in that final season Uh, we're going to have a look at that seeing how we're talking about transfers but let's not start with anything negative i.e. Julian's move being off let's start off with the positive um, when that email drops into your inbox that Celtic have signed a new player. And that new player, of course, is our new left-back. I'm not saying our new first-choice left-back, I, I wouldn't be so presumptuous, but we have signed our first-ever Argentinian, and um, El- Alexandro Bernabe. Um, and that has dropped this morning, five-year deal um, for him. And I think that uh, at 21-year-old, it's, it's a fantastic bit of business by Celtic, Colin.
3: Yeah it's a great bit of business. Um, I've transferred a fee roughly around 3.75 million so not a massive outlay on him. We'll be interested to see um, the kind of extent of that in the coming years to see what the eventual fee turns out to be but five-year deal which is again something that we don't hand out willy-nilly so um, obviously a bright future ahead of this, uh, this guy. I've seen clips of him Paul and he does seem to be the sort of fullback that Ange Bostacoglu likes he is someone who loves to get forward likes to get a ball across and can play in that inverted fullback position which is good to see um, he's obviously got a bit of flair about him, he already introduced himself to the Glasgow Kiss a couple of weeks ago um, so it is a, it's actually clever timing from Celtic because I believe that after today his suspension's actually up Right, he was given a two game suspension um, so everybody was predicting that he's, he would be announced on Thursday because Lannis have played two games since then. So as okay. a Lannis player, he'd have served the suspension. So I think that's probably what the delay was in announcing him because he did arrive in Glasgow, what was it, last Friday? We saw the pictures of him in Glasgow Airport. So um, I think he's just been enjoying the, the Celtic hospitality since, um, which I know a lot of the players get the chance to do that. But he's had an extended period of it. I'm sure he'll be back in training on Monday. Um, so, yeah, it's it's good to, to see him. Um, and do you know what? Our fourth, Jan- uh, our fourth summer transfer signing, a second one that wasn't here last season. We're starting mm-hmm. to see a bit of um, depth coming into the squad, which is great to see. Um, and long may it continue, because I think we've still got maybe another three or four to go.
2: Well, this is the big question, and, and it's something that we have discussed, Colin, in relation to how far are we willing to take this? Uh, in relation to the investment. Uh, And I I totally get all the the counter-arguments around the amount of players we've got at Celtic who are on decent wages um, and who aren't really contributing. And I totally understand that. And we want to try and move a lot of these players on. Obviously, Julian being one of them. um, And we will be talking about that and we'll come back to it. But let's stick to the left-back scenario um, as we as we uh, see it just now. And I think a lot of the discussion we've had on 'm calling is around trying to get the same scenario on the left-hand side that we had last season on the right-hand side where you've got two players, um, I would say, of different qualities, but both solid players who you can count upon. Um, I think Tony Ralston had one poor game last season that I can recall against Motherwell when he came back into the side and he he looked a bit rusty but you would rely on him generally 99 times out of 100 now Colin and we've got that strength at the right back position we'll be coming back to that in a second because the JJ rumours obviously have um, been coming and going over the last few weeks do you think we've now got it in the left back position and when you look at Uh, this player, and obviously um, we'll learn much more about him when we start seeing him playing games, Colin I don't think he comes in as a a first choice I think Greg Taylor's done enough at this stage to uh, be recognised as a first choice left back and it's down to Barnaby now to to try and push him for that jersey
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that's always the case, isn't it? Unless there's an absolute gaping hole in that position, then no one ever really comes in as first choice I think you have got to work here. As much as people will say, oh, he's first choice when he signs, you don't know what he's like when he comes into training. You don't know what it's going to be like if he fits into the system. Obviously, what we've seen of him and the reports are the reason why Ange just signed him. He's obviously got this idea that over time he'll be the first choice, but you never really see somebody come in and take that position right away. So I think he will have to um, work hard in training and get into that position. Um, If that is the case and what we see of him translates into what we see in a Celtic jersey, then I think it wouldn't be too long before he becomes the first-choice left-back. Very you know, similar to what happened with Jananovic uh, and Ralston, to be perfectly honest. Um, so, look, it's adding quality to that squad, and that's all that you can ask for. We're mm-hmm. not just adding numbers now, we're adding quality. Um, yeah. And that's very important as we go into this season. You're seeing Ange now... Ange has sort of got through his first season and he's kind of taking the hand that he was dealt with in the first season. He had his backroom team. He didn't change it. He had a budget. He didn't change it. He stuck to it. He brought his as many of his players in as he could. Now what you're seeing is he's casting the net far and wide in terms of transfers, and he's also looking at his backroom team and saying, right, I can just tweak it slightly here, bring mm-hmm. in someone like Harry Keel. Get that connection between the B team and the, the A team with Stephen McManus he can cast his net a bit further wide. Players that maybe he couldn't have got last season because there wasn't enough time to get the transfers done, you're starting to see these players coming in. So mm-hmm. this is almost like a fine-tuning of a squad this season. Yeah, yeah. To the, the sort of rebuild that we had last year. So mm-hmm. as much as we're saying it's kind of quiet in terms of transfers, I mean, the Jota deal's taken forever and a day. He's probably had more holidays than Natasha Miko, But... But he's steady. getting there. He's getting there and it's getting done. So um Yeah, this is this is a fine fine tuning and fine tuning takes time. I think um the the
2: situation last season, I likened it to that scene. And I've said this a couple of times, but I can't think of a better example in Wallace and Gromit when the dog's on the train. And the train is careering down the path, and he's actually laying the tracks as he goes, and he's rapidly laying the tracks. It felt a wee bit like that last season, Colin, because as you see, he walks into this. I was going to say something else, but he walked into a scenario at Celtic where it was, uh, you know, the, the the club were in were in kind of freefall. It felt at that time, and he walked into that situation, and there's players wanting to leave, um, and the the culture of the club hasn't been right for a season. And apparently we would taken one on the chin with our our, our, our first choice uh, manager. There's no getting away from it. We did do, you know, all our um, work trying to get Eddie Howe in, and the club at that stage needed somebody to um, to make kind of like magic happen, and he did it. But he did it uh, in such a way where he was laying the, the tracks as the the train was careering forward, and somehow he managed to get us over the line, and not just scraped us over the line. He did it with the style. That he promised they would be, um, you know, given to the Celtic support. And I think you're right now. Now that he's settled in, and it's fine tuning and it's tweaks, Colin, and it's you know looking at a squad that he's assembled at various points over the last 12 months. You know, they've came in in different transfer windows or at different stages, and he knows all about the players. He knows who he wants to keep. He knows the players that he wants to move on. Um, and we're in that scenario now where he's doing the fine tuning and he is strengthening in those areas. So if you look at the left back. Scenario, what have we done? Uh, well, we've brought in um, a 21 year old Argentinian who's going to be pushing Greg Taylor, who finished the season off brilliantly mm-hmm. for that jersey. So, yeah, you're happy that you've got a scenario on the left hand side that you had last season on the right hand side. I'm not comparing our new signing to Zhiranovic by any manner of means because I think Zhiranovic is a different class of player at this stage. He's got a few years on Burnaby. I think we've got that. Uh, competition for places also now in the goalkeeper position with Seagrass coming in don't think anybody was breathing down Joe Hart's neck yeah. last season Colin so he's starting to do that in all the positions we'll come to the centre-halves in a moment what he's also doing is he is um, it's all killer and no filler with end isn't it so we get ready two left backs and scales in Montgomery and we bring in the new one who's actually pushing for a jersey because I don't think scales of Montgomery were really pushing Greg Taylor for that first team berth um, and yeah. But we do also have the question of Bollie, and Golly. He's still at the club. Um, and I think, do you reckon that um, it's, it's as important to, to move on the Bollies of this world and sorrow and a jetty, um as it is to bring in, in the new players?
3: Absolutely, because all that does is add additional funds to your transfer budget, do you know what I mean? Um, so you're looking at someone like Bali, Ajeti, Barkas. Um, Barkas's comments were shocking to be perfectly honest but we've heard that now from two goalkeepers that have departed the club so um, it doesn't really come as a surprise, Uh, even Julian as we say, if he's not going to be part of the plans there's no point in having a sentimentality about these, these players, you've got to sort of move with the times and if the squad doesn't suit the players that are there, then it is time to move them on, I mean Julian obviously the deal with Schalke is now off apparently it come down to um, negotiations over wages which I find quite strange considering it was supposed to be a loan deal um, so for me I think there's maybe a bit more to the fact that he had an extensive medical procedure um, and considering he hadn't played for 18 months I just wonder what kind of shape he's actually in ahead of the, the new season um, but even guys like Sorrow who have not mentioned um these guys will all have to find either a place in the squad by improving dramatically, or it will be time for them to move on. Even guys that were out on loan last season, like Liam Shaw and Uzazi Uragidi, we've seen them back in training. Whether they'll be part of the squad for this season or not, it will be up to them. If they can produce some great performances in pre-season and show that they've developed as players, there'll be a place for them. Otherwise, I think they'll just be shipped out, and it's, it is that sort of ruthlessness, but It is, as you say, coming down to just adding that quality and fine-tuning the squad. This squad wants to go and actually do something. It wants to win trophies. It wants to make progress in Europe. And if you want to be that team, you've you've just not got the ability to um, offer that sentimentality to certain players. You know
2: this, um, Colin, sometimes people get annoyed when you you name drop. Uh, It it actually triggers folk to a point where I get quite concerned with them. It's not about name dropping, it's about finding examples, Colin, right? Where you've maybe spoken to somebody and it relates to what Ange Postacoglu is doing at the club right now. And I'm not comparing per se Ange to Jockstein, but they're both managers of Celtic. Um, So there is obviously a comparison of of, uh, some degree. But I remember speaking to a number of players who worked under Jockstein and they spoke about uh, a ruthlessness to the manager, right? Just mm-hmm. the other week there, the nearly mocking documentary got a TV air and I don't know if you watched it. Um, it was on That's TV, which I think is <laughs> one of those. What a channel. But, <laughs> what, a, what a channel. Uh, actually, when I was waiting on it coming on, um, there was a brilliant Bjork um, documentary about a stalker who stalked Bjork, um, which I thought was quite interesting as well. But um, a lot of the players I spoke to in the making of that film obviously spoke about Neely Malkin's role within Celtic and how often players use them almost as a go-between because of the ruthlessness sometimes of, of Steen. And all you need to do is look at... Let's use one player as an example. Bobby Murdoch. So Bobby Murdoch leaves Celtic at the age of 28 He's 28 years of age, Colin, right? He goes down to Middlesbrough and becomes an absolute legend down there, right? I mean, you look at the the various books on the, the greatest players that ever played for Middlesbrough, Bobby Murdoch's in that book, right? Mm-hmm. European Cup winner, um, but Many, many felt that he was a talisman in Lisbon. People might argue Jinky, the entertainer. People might argue, that you know, Billy McNeil, how could you go past Big Billy? But Bobby Murdoch was was orchestrating the midfield. He was in the engine room. Um, and when it came down to it, though, Jock was ruthless, Colin. And a player that many believed that Steen actually turned around because he went from playing as a number eight to number four. And the famous... Uh, quote from one of the journals back then is that Jockstein's halved the number on his shorts, but he's he's doubled his, his, his effectiveness on the park. Mm. And and Bobby Murdoch was that player. He still had years in the tank, but when the time came, Jockstein was ruthless enough to let him go. I think Jimmy Johnson was 30 when mm. he left Celtic as well. Um, and you look at The careers after Celtic and they've gone on and they've played for another four or five years but I think if you want and and I mean another example I've heard that you know through reading many many autobiographies of footballers Sir Alex Ferguson was one of these managers calling who when it came to that moment and you think of the players Yap Stam David Beckham players Mm -hmm. that still had plenty to offer but when that time came it was time to go and I think that Ange's like that I think he's got that in his locker so when you look at things like you mentioned about Sorrow I'm going to say it I think Soros at Celtic's finished mm-hmm. I think Bolingoli's finished I think Ajeti's finished because Julian entered that list a few weeks ago didn't he where we were going on about players who have to be shipped out Julian was one of half a dozen players which included Barkas and I think maybe even Mickey Johnson's you know he's really on the on the verge of being in that category but I think when it comes down to it if you're not going to contribute Ans will ship you ship you out and that'll be the end of your Celtic career. And I think that ruthlessness no, Colin, is what we need at this time because I, I do think that there's still quite a lot of, you know, Jersey fillers there that are not contributing to Celtic and I think it's going to be very interesting over the next couple of weeks to see who else leaves because at the moment I'm looking at various lists, I know there's been quite a few people um, who have been freed from Celtic but the list I'm looking at at the moment Colin, throw in any others if uh, I've missed any names, so Ewan Henderson signed for Hibbs right, we've got Kerr McEnroy, who never played for the first team who signed for Kilmarnock, mm-hmm. Luca O'Connell is away to Barnsley, he joins mm-hmm. a whole host of players who've played for Celtic and Barnsley, um, Hit me up with any kind of suggestions. Anybody you can remember that played for both clubs, I'm going to give you Owen Archdeacon because yeah, I think he was a Greenock boy, Colin. He is a Greenock boy, yep. yep. Owen Archdeacon, Mick McCarthy, um, Ronnie Glavin, uh, we also, Andy Payton played with Barnsley. Um, who else? There's been more. Paddy McCourt. Paddy McCourt played with Barnsley. And Jack Aitchison. Did he play with them? And of he course, Luke O'Connor. Yeah. And Luke O'Connell was the latest in that group. We've got Barkas, who's away to Utrecht. Um, Liam Scales, Aberdeen on loan. Adam Montgomery on loan to St Johnstone. Uh, Tom Roderick not yet with a club near Beton, still looking for a club, maybe going to Cyprus. Uh, and players like Jonathan uh, Lebe, who, after a number of different loan deals calling, was freed. And of course, Jota has officially left because he's not signed yet so uh, you know there's a whole host of players there but I think you could probably throw another nine or ten on top of that
3: do you think he's going to be that ruthless? I I don't see why not I mean at the end of the day he's got a budget and he's going to have to work by it and if he thinks that getting these players are away uh, getting these players away is going to help his own budget and bring in the quality then as I said there's no room for sentimentality Um, what was interesting though is some of the players that have been kept on that we would have maybe thought sort of Towards the end of last season, that their time at the club was up. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, Ross Duhan, he's still around. I saw him on the um, training video that Celtic put out, so it does look as if he signed an extension before he went on loan to Tranmere last season. Mm. So obviously keeping him around. Um, guys like James Forrest, they got the, the sort of three-year contract, which a lot of people at the end of last season were very, very surprised that. So it'll be interesting to see what you can kind of get out of someone like James Forrest next season. Um, and obviously, like guys like Beaton and um, Rogic, which probably none of us thought we'd see them move on at this stage, uh, especially not on a free transfer. Anyway, It is that kind of that time of the year where, as you say, you're, you're seeing these players come back into training? We're talking about someone like Jonathan Afalabi, these were the kind of risk signings that Celtic used to take. Someone mm-hmm. that was maybe coming towards the end of their contract at um, a, an English Premiership club or um, someone around that. And it's the same sort of idea with Luke O'Connell, the same sort of idea with Liam Shaw, yeah. where they were young enough for Celtic to take a punt on them and it's never really worked out. And I don't actually think there has been, with the exception of probably Jeremy Thrimpong and we had to pay a fee for him, I don't think there's actually been a signing that we've made that's been as successful as that. I I don't think we kind of do well in that market. So I'm kind of glad that we're staying away from it at the minute. Everyone that we're looking at seems to have played at least 20, 30, maybe even 40 games for team. Yeah, it's a hit or a miss, isn't it? Yeah, whereas as it stands, it's, it's, as I said, fine-tuning and picking quality over quantity. So I'd like to see us staying away from that market and bringing these guys in.
2: You know, when you're talking about um, Frimpong, I remember when Frimpong came in, it was around about the same time as uh, Leo Connor coming in, in as well. Signed on the same day. Right. Aye, because we were having a, a conversation with someone in the Celtic scouting team. And at that point, th- this just shows you how football, you know, it, it works in mysterious ways. So at that point, Celtic had the pair of their players on a level and they weren't quite sure which one was going to be first team and which one was going to actually go out on loan. And Frimpong and O'Connor were kind of like neck and neck at that stage in terms of the scouting reports that they'd received, Colin. And it just shows you, Frimpong, I think it was a £11.5 million, he gets the move uh, to Leverkusen, and O'Connor didn't feature, ended up a couple of loan deals and a permanent move to Tranmere later. Because mm-hmm. he went to Partick Thistle first, didn't he? Then yeah. Tranmere, and now he's he's out there permanently. International player, of course, and, and um, you know, It may have been a change in management, who knows, but it just shows you, like you say, hit or miss, you might get a Frimpong, you might get an O'Connor, and it doesn't look as though we really are operating in those markets. For the time being, whether or not we're a ton to them, who knows? Ridiculiser comes in, welcome to the show. We'd have preferred to have seen someone with a bit of height. Now, before I go on, is he talking about JP's replacement here or is he talking about the new left back? I'm not sure. Someone, someone with a bit of height, but pleased to see heart and desire to be part of his makeup. He's obviously talking about you, Colin. Uh, um, obviously. Aye. I mean, you're not that small, to be fair. 5'10". 5'10". Um, there you go average height Lanky 67 good afternoon troops so we've got Burnaby just a few more to go and we've got a solid team of 24 players to choose from I've said all killer no filler I think that's what we need to go for we can't have these empty jerseys so that every time you have a a, a transfer window column we're we're shelling out 20 players at a time I mean we we need to get away from that because um, it's unsettling and and these players it doesn't do them any good to be hanging about a club for 2 or 3 years and no kicking a ball
3: no, and one of the other things is as well, if, if you've got this sort of smaller squad, what that actually allows as well is for a bit of development from the youth team to come through as well. Mm. So you're not just kind of saying, if you look at it, right, okay, so um, McGregor goes out injured, so you bring in someone like Idiguchi and, and in place you put Soro on the bench or you put McCarthy on the bench. If that comes down to the fact that you're sitting with a 24-man squad or a 20-man squad or whatever it turns out to be, and your main player gets injured, you bring in the backup, and the backup's probably played so many games as well because you're allowed to bring five subs on now, so you can get these guys in, you can keep them rotated, you can keep them fresh, but that space on the bench then becomes available, and you're looking at the B team and you're saying, right, okay, so on the B team this season, someone like Rocco Vata's had a fantastic season. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. You
3: can reward someone like Rocco Vata by saying, right, so for the game against St Mirren at the weekend, McGregor's out injured, Idiguchi's playing, it's your spot on the bench. Mm -hmm. And having that sort of pathway to the first team by having a smaller squad is what other teams in Scotland do. This is how they develop the players. Guys like Conor Barron that's coming through, um, even the kind of younger ones like Lewis Ferguson, um, players that have made a a sort of breakthrough. They started by getting their opportunity on the bench and when it came round to it, they brought them on. And when they they were given their opportunity, they shone. But at the minute, we're not getting the opportunity to do so because the squad's that deep Mm -hmm. that you can say, right, if McGregor's injured, Gucci's in and Soros on the bench or McCarthy's on the bench. That pathway's just not there. I think having the smaller squad, you'll see new young blood coming through. Everything
2: points towards that, though, Colin. You look at the the move, the nuance of that move of Stephen McManus from the coaching team of the first team to the coaching team of the B team. We actually spoke about that when we heard about Harry Coole coming in and we thought, well, one of the guys is going to have to make way and it probably would be last in, first out, Steve McManus. But I think what they're doing there, like you say, is they're working on the pathway. So instead of having an AFA Labby, who I think we're saying from Southampton, um, Ocoflex, West Ham, all, all these players that were brought in from other clubs, Right, um, Who have had academy experience elsewhere? We bring them in and they're clogging up our academy players from coming out, coming into mm-hmm. the side. It's exactly what you've said there. And I think that uh, the move of Steve McManus to the B team is is an indication of that as well. I'm really keen to get everybody else's thoughts. We're going to move on to the Chris Julien. Uh, The curious case of Chris Julien and where we are with Chris at the moment. Michael Ross still need a big physical centre-back, maybe another striker. Well, that's another question, whether or not we do need a Jordan Larson up front there, Colin. But I'll ask you about that later. Um, Ryan Taylor, feel-good Thursdays, absolutely we're all about positivity on Axon. Um, Durban Kilche, good day, folks. After work for 16 days. Well, you enjoy that, pal. You enjoy ah, your 16 good. days off, eh? Uh, Michael Ross comes back and hearing some French clubs Interesting, in Julian, hopefully punt him ASAP. I think we're at that stage now where there's a player, Colin um, and Chris Julian, that we've spoken so much about. I remember... Um, Vividly, the day that he collided with that post against London United, you could hear the clunk, there's no fans in the crowd. I was doing the match day with with J.P. Mason that particular day, whose seat you are obviously keeping warm today. And at that time, I don't think you could have envisaged what was going to happen over the next 18 months for Chris Julian. It's pretty sad, but we're now in a situation where it's pretty clear that um, his Celtic career is over and I remember when I was talking about this group of players that I felt we had to get off the wage bill and I thought some of them were really obvious like Bolingoli, um Golly Ajeti and Barkas I, I didn't hear many people arguing about those those players but I was throwing sorrow into the mix as well Julien made an appearance in that and then I had the question mark around Mikey Johnson because I just don't think he's developed the way that we would have hoped over the last couple of seasons um, but Julian indeed is on that list and he looked yesterday to be the next one um, in that revolving door uh, on his way to Schalke. Um, we then get an update after his own Instagram update. There was no picture of the flight home. Um, that the, the deal's off. And Romano um, says it's something to do with personal terms but you start worrying about the you know, the, the, the medical. You, you do start worrying about it Colin because I get that It doesn't, well, it does actually make or break a lot of deals. But by failing a medical, it doesn't mean automatically you don't sign for the club. But it obviously raises concerns, and many clubs say, well, the deal's off. We don't know one way or another. But um, as the commenter said there, Michael Ross said there, there are apparently a few French clubs. Do you think it could be a situation where he gets word from his agent that there might be some French interest? And he's thinking, right, I want to go and dip my toe elsewhere and see what the other the other deals could provide and, and get back to French football.
3: For me, I'm the, the fact that it's come down to personal terms is really perplexing because it's uh it's a loan deal. Those personal terms will be worked out between Celtic and between Shelka. Aye, the I wages don't... are not gonna change. No, that's what it's it's down to the two clubs deciding who pays what. Exactly. So I, I don't really understand where that's come into it. Obviously There was talk that Celtic would um, trigger an extension in this contract and there would be a fee of around £3 million at the end of next season if Schalke wanted to turn that deal into a permanent deal. Um, But then again, as we've seen with Cameron Carter-Vickers and they've also seen with um, Jota, that negotiation still has to take place at the end of that. So, obviously, I think reading between the lines, it probably does come down to something that's came up in the medical. Um, and as you say, you don't have to pass a medical to, to sign for the club. The clubs can take a risk on it. I know Celtic did that with uh, big John Hartson after mm-hmm. he failed his medical at Ibrox, um And he came and did a sort of softer medical at Celtic. And um, I, I think the, the same sort of thing was going to happen as well with David Turnbull before something came up that could have potentially ended his career. So
1: Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for.
0: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
3: Look, it's, it's a difficult one. I think you're left with a player who doesn't want to be at the club. I think it's very clear that Chris Julian doesn't want to be there. As you said, that Instagram post yesterday of him flying out, he probably thought that was him gone. Mm. Um, he, he probably didn't see himself going back into Lennox Town anytime soon. I watched him play a couple of games last season for the, the B team when he went down and played in the sort of City of Glasgow Cup, and he didn't look as if he was kind of headed. He had his head in the game either. You can tell he's already kind of got his head wherever his next move may be, and if that's France and that's where he wants to go back to, then that's fine but we we shouldn't really be sort of coming out with stories that can be easily manipulated to show that they're not true. If it's just a case of talks broke down, they broke down, but the sooner he sort of moves on from the club, I think the better because I don't see him having a future here. That's a bottom line really, isn't it? He, Definitely. He's not really got that future. <laughs>
2: No, I mean, that, that's that been absolutely rubber-stamped over the last 48 hours, Colin, right, because, you know, the indication um, when you put out a post on Instagram, which is a bit cocky, let's be honest, you know, the, your teammates are, are pre-season training, um, and there's a story a few weeks ago breaking, which we're a bit to be honest with you, we weren't convinced with the story that appeared in the press, because there was no direct quotes attributed to Julien or his camp, where it it suggested that Julien wanted to stay and fight for his place and all that kind of stuff, and at the time we said, well, Angel make that decision, no Chris Julien and then he's on a plane and it's almost like I don't care, I'm going to burn my bridges, here's an Instagram post for a wee bit of traction uh, with the eyes, emojis and all this, carry on. I, I think footballers need to think twice about that because, you know, until you've um, signed the contract, anything can happen, Colin, right? But he, he's obviously checked out. He's checked out at that stage. He's checked yeah. out
3: as a Celtic player, you know? Do you remember the Peter Wingy transfer? No. That never happened?
2: No. I
3: think Peter O'Donnelly Oden- was playing for maybe Spurs at the time and... His agent had told him that QPR were going to sign him and this was his way out and he turned up at QPR's training ground without Spurs and QPR having agreed a fee. It's kind of uh, uh, not overly similar to the Julian transfer but he turned up there, Sky Sports cameras were there taking the pictures of him and it was only Sky Sports that turned around and told him that the deal had fell through on transfer deadline day, and he had to head back to QPR with his tail between Deary his legs. Me. I had to head back to Swirls with his tail between his legs. This is Julian now. He deleted that Instagram post. Mm. He knows he's going to have to go back to Lennox Town and face those players again. So It's
2: not good. I mean, there's, there's a few examples of, of things like that. There's been players in the door at Celtic. We know that, right? We might talk about one of them later on. Uh, Ivan Tony he's in the door. I remember um, on one transfer window under, I think, Martin O'Neill, Dwight York, was about to sign for Celtic. I don't know. Can you remember this, Colin? And it was Just on transfer. Was and and the, they allowed him to take a phone call. He was going to sign for Celtic, and they allowed him to take a phone call in the boardroom. Now, who? It's obvious it's going to be his agent. To, you know, updating him that another club's involved or another club wants to to sign him. So we could have signed him. We allowed him to take the phone call when he goes. Potentially to Blackburn, I need to check um, his career to see who he signed for at that stage. But there's been a few examples of that over the years. I remember uh, a much forgotten about uh, photo shoot with Frank McIverney at Fir Hill with John Lambie. And he's wearing the Partick Thistle jersey and he's got the Partick Thistle scarf, but he's no signed. He's no signed and he signed for Celtic. That was the second time he signed for Celtic. That happened. Google it. Google Images, Patrick Thistle, Frank McIverney, he does the whole photo shoot, Disney sign for the club. Um, so it's not quite as bad as that, but Julien, for me, I think the minute he's checked out, me as a fan, I've checked out. I'm thinking, well, you've got to get this guy off the books now because he's not committed to Celtic. He's not buying into the, the Ants philosophy, therefore we need to move him on. And hopefully that happens pretty quickly. I'm hoping, Colin, that it does have something to do with another club being involved in his homeland and he he fancies France
3: a wee bit better. That's what I'm he, hoping. I think we'll maybe find out tomorrow. So as far as I've been led to be aware, and I think it's getting kind of out there, uh, the home kit gets launched tomorrow. The reveals tomorrow. Is it? So if Chris Julian's in the pictures because he was Celtic's favourite model, um, it'll be interesting to see if he's got a future at the club.
2: Well, I'll take you, uh, Julian, and I'll, I'll I'll raise you a, a Matt O'Reilly. Um, oh, he seems to be the, the go-to now, doesn't he? He is, he is, definitely. However, somebody, Brian, Brian Degnan yesterday suggested that we were saving the Jota announcement for the um, the home jersey launch, Colin. What do you make of that?
3: I can understand that. Um, I also understand that today is the last financial day of the, the footballing year. So I wonder if that's maybe part of the, the planning, that he'll come in on the 1st of July and it, Carries over into the new set of accounts after Celtic released the, the statement to the uh, stock exchange a couple. That, that's ago far saying,
2: too much. That's far too sensible. Uh, <laughs> something to say on here, Colin. But yeah, if, if that's the case, then I can see the I can see the inner workings of that one. Yeah,
3: yeah. For sure. obviously your accounts for football um, are up to the thirtieth of June. Obviously tomorrow being the first of July, the new kit launch comes out, um, and there is word. I've heard from um, Mark Hendry, who's at Football Scotland, a, another good green-up boy, who confirmed that Jota is in Glasgow just now, so um looks as if his world tour is finally over and he's got his final destination, which is Park Kev.
2: Yep, brilliant. Another name that came to my mind there, you were talking about uh, the fact that we, we had Barnaby um, in Glasgow and he was getting a hospita- Celtic hospitality. Remember Jimmy Bullard? Mm-hmm. Came, came up to sign for Neil Lennon First time round And he's away playing golf And all
3: this and that He doesn't sign He also What was it He uh, went for a golf Outing with Lennon Um was it St Andrews so mm. it went to St Andrews. Yeah He wasn't the only one that, that summer If I remember correctly Was it not him David James David James Yeah Saul Campbell That's maybe. right I forgot about
2: him I forgot about Saul Campbell uh, There was quite a few Mm, interesting. Magnet67, welcome back to the show. Afternoon, Axon. Team, delighted and a bit relieved to get be done. I was beginning to worry of a Turnbull medical scenario. The big thing is, um, who have I been worried about this, this pre-season? I've got to say, the player I have been worried about has been Jota. And yeah. the quicker we get uh, the Jota deal over the line, the better. And I think what you're going to get here is... Um, you know, going back to what we said at the top of the show, Colin, regarding Ange Postecoglou um, and the way that you know he arrived at the club yes, uh, last season, and he basically had to just you know hit the ground running, and he knew that. And there was a, a couple of wee issues at the beginning, um, and then the players started filtering in all at different times. What he's got now is that core squad that was here last season. Um, you, you just want them to get that preseason under their belt. Play the preseason games together, and and I mean, you can include the likes of Jota in that. You can include Carter right. Vickers in that. Carter Vickers came in on the last day of the transfer window last time round, um, so these players were being introduced all at different times. But stop, start, and you just want everybody to be a group. Um, and yeah, I get that there will be other additions as the season goes on, uh, particularly in January. I'm guessing. Um, however, you do want players like Jota in the door. Um, but it begs me to ask the question once again, right? Because if we look at um, the outlay so far, depending on the the transfer fees that you're uh, you're relying on, well, we've, we've, our outlay at the moment is thirteen and a half million quid. Uh, sorry, fourteen. Almost fifteen million, actually, almost fifteen million on Maeda, Carter, Vickers, Segrist and Bernaby Segrist, Of course, was a free agent at that time. So we've spent about fifteen million pounds, Colin. And um, of the players who have all left, there've been loan deals or free transfers. So we haven't, you know, you're not going to get a a loan fee for the players we're loaning out. Other maybe Barcas, I'm not sure if you would even get a loan fee we've not recouped money, is basically my point but we have spent £15 million. and I think if you go back to some of the discussions we've had before uh, a test of the board's mettle, how much are they willing to push this you bring in Jota, let's say in, in an ideal world, Jota um, arrives tomorrow and there's a big unveiling on social media and all that stuff and it goes into meltdown um, because that's what happens that's pushing you over the £20 million mark, um, maybe up to £21 million quid, Colin. And you asked your question, are you finished, are you done spending there? Do you still need a central defensive uh, midfield player? Do you still need it? I mean, how far is the board willing to push this without selling a prized asset? Well,
3: I think what you've got to look at is when the kind of position that we were in last year. See, if you look, to look at the squad last year after everyone had moved on, I'm talking about guys like Ryan Christie, um, Edward, Chris Ayer, after all these guys have moved on, you're sitting going, where was the next prized asset? Because at this point, we didn't really know what we were going to get out of Keogh. We didn't know what we were going to get out of guys like Matt O'Reilly, who hadn't signed yet, Cameron Carter-Vickers, etc. It was a complete and utter rebuild. So the sort of mismanagement to that point was when you sold someone like Musa um, Bailey you knew who the next player was going to be mm-hmm. you knew it was going to be Edward you knew you could you could keep going and get him through and he would be the next 20-30 million pound player whatever there was always someone that you knew you could do that you could sell if you didn't make the Champions League now you're in the position where if you win the league this year again you're guaranteed that spot in the Champions League mm-hmm. and you're talking 30-40 million pounds and it's a big big difference so the gamble now isn't about trying to make the Champions League and then if we don't, we have to sell that player. The gamble now is winning the league, and we're focusing on that. And we've got a manager who is determined to improve this squad. And you know that if you get in the Champions League, the value of players is just going to increase.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: No end. I mean, even the latter stages of the Europa League, you have to take a look at someone like, and I don't want to talk too much about them, but... Nathan Patterson, and that transfer fee that they got for Nathan Patterson,
2: yeah, that
3: boy played maybe a, a dozen, maybe a bit more games for them. But because of the potential of him, and he's played in Europe a couple of times, the transfer fee went up. You see it for other players as well. Is so, he a better
2: you, player than Tony Ralston?
3: I wouldn't say so, no. I've watched both of them play for Scotland, and I think Ralston's above him. Mm-hmm. So when you look at it, you're thinking, right, if, if Kyogo or if Jota goes and has a good season in Europe and the only have to maybe score one or two goals and it puts them into the spotlight. Yeah. Instantly, you're turning four, five, six times over your investment yep. because it opens it up to a wider market. It's exactly what we're doing with Bernabe as well, is opening and showing, showcasing him to a wider market. Mm-hmm. So as it stood when Ange took over, there wasn't anybody he could sell. This is season one of the new development. It's going to take maybe two, three years to get back into that cycle because the players that we brought in, they weren't good enough to turn around in a couple of years' time. If you remember back to when Celtic had the um, convention thing at the SECC, mm. and it was a, one of the very few times that Peter Lowell held a sort of one-on-one interview and I think it was Jerry McCulloch that hosted it and he was asked about
2: so Lobo so was answering his own questions then
3: well probably probably um, he, he they were talking about the player development cycle mm-hmm. and he was saying his, his words were we sign players on a four year deal and we look at it and review it after two years so that in two years if we're saying he's still got a bit of development to go we're not going to get the top money for him just now but maybe in 18 months time we will he'll get offered a new four year deal and they'll look at it again whereas in two years time if he's hit that peak and you're thinking this is the most money we're going to get for him that's when they start taking interest in bids Mm. so
2: that's something we've spoken about Colin because I get that model and it was successful for a period but we've spoken about imagine keeping them for longer than the two or three year cycle
3: that's true and I guess in the, the terms of if you continue to have success in Europe Mm-hmm. And you continue to make the Champions
2: League, then you can change that cycle round. Well, it's that. a big yeah, it's a big question. You and I had a whole show dedicated to looking at the players we had over a period of time who were still playing. Mm-hmm. Had we kept the, the team together, what could they do in Europe? And I, I think I've kind of arrived somewhere in the middle of the argument. So you've got the the, the model that you were talking about there, where you bring a player in. He, he, he does well and within two years you sell him and it's a five or a six or even more um you know markup times markup on him. And then you've got the other one where it's like what if we kept all these players for five years I and the manager may built something really strong. And I think somewhere in the middle it's a coming together of all the players at the right time. And I think mm-hmm. sometimes that's what happens. And I think when you look at the Ajax team that, that made the European Cup final, as I still call it, because I'm old, um not the Champions League um, a lot of that comes to all the players at the right time coming together and it's not about keeping them together because as soon as you make the European Cup final
3: you start selling them off and that's yeah, what they did The other side of that as well though is when you take a look at it you've got to have the sort of transition in place It's like when you look at um, people on a relay team when they're passing the baton on they don't just stop they're still running as they're passing that baton on before the next person takes off and it's that point where the two the two um, runners are together. Co- they coexist. Co- yeah. yeah, that's what you need to see as part of a transition in a football team. Mm-hmm. So at, at a point you would have loved to have a season where there was Edward and Dembele together, mm-hmm. because you knew Edward was the next player, and you knew Dembele was coming to that point. But even that six months they sort of had together when Edward, when sorry, um, yeah, when Edward was on loan
1: Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022, and Cox serviceable areas. Visit cox.com slash internet for details.
0: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
3: You saw what you could get out of them. You saw the sort of future the. If you've got that one season of the two of them together, Edward's learning off Dembele. He's learning how to be that player. And that's when you see a successful team, is when the two of them's together. When you've got to restart almost from scratch, it's going to take a bit of time to build up to that. So that's why you see teams like Ajax being successful is because they know they've got someone who is going to be the next big move. He's going to be the ZX. He's going to move on for £70-80 But they've also got the young boy coming through. And the time that they spend together is invaluable because mm-hmm. when Zieck moves on, he's already had that season with a young boy who can step right into his role. We didn't yeah. really do that.
2: Well, I think that's what surprised us, uh, particularly with Rogic moving when he did because you felt that we had a ready-made replacement in Matt O'Reilly. But as you say, that really period where the bear of them are still at the club and they're coexisting and they're, you know O'Reilly pot- potentially is learning from Rogic, we've not really had that. We, yeah, we had it. For six months But you you kind of thought That might have continued But obviously it wasn't to be And uh, Big Tam has left the building He's not got a club yet Interestingly enough But I'm Mm. sure he will Get something sorted AGSC Tech Welcome to the show Bernabe is the only new Incoming outfield player signed As things stand We are still much weaker Than last season With all the exits Now I think that's interesting when you look at the fact that, yeah, you're right, because obviously we already had Cat because we already had Maeda. If Jota comes in tomorrow, we already had him. Um, But the investment, should Jota sign tomorrow, and let's hope he does, will be sitting at £21 million um, investment. And I do think, well, and I I pitched this as well, Colin, we still need that two or three players, like you said at the beginning of the show. Mm -hmm. Do we get them in on the loan? Because it looks as though... We've used the loan market pretty well When you look at the three guys That we've turned into permanent deals um, Would you be happy with that If if our permanent signings were done tomorrow But we brought in a couple of loan deals
3: I mean it, it depends on the positioning Because you're looking at it and you're saying What is your first choice centre half pairing just now Staff out and Cameron Carter Vickers yep. Now Staff out someone who Has taken a lot of flack But has also won a lot of people over as well and you're just wondering what his development will be like. Obviously, he's came back um, very quickly from that injury. I was surprised to see him back as quick as he was. Looks like he'll be involved in training um, on Monday when they, they start back with the internationals. So you're saying, right, is that going to be your first choice pairing going into next season? Is that going to be the, the first choice centre-half when you play in the Champions League? Now, I think you could probably be doing and strengthening in that position. Mm -hmm. I don't think Welsh or Julian, who's your other two that's there at the minute, are anybody that can push that. So you'd be looking to bring in quality. Now, if that quality is going to be someone who we can only get on a loan deal right now, you're saying, well, is he good enough to be a first-team player? I mean, obviously Cameron Carter-Vickers came in on a loan deal and it it changed it up a bit, but there's only so many Cameron Carter-Vickers you get you're not going to get a lot of quality for the Champions League if you take a loan deal. So it may be that we have to put that outlay out there to get another centre-half And If it comes down to something like the, the right wing position after we signed Jota, and you're saying, right, this is to add squad depth, then a loan deal with the option to buy, I think, makes sense.
4: Mm, because yeah.
3: you're not... If it works, it works, and then you can look at that transfer again in the summer. But if you're actually going out there and looking to strengthen a first team position place, I think we will have to spend more money, and I wouldn't be surprised if we put a bid in for someone like an Itakura at centre half.
2: I was just going to suggest uh, where we are with this, and, and the reason I brought up the loans, Colin, is because right, so the Julien deal has broken down. So I would guess that we're not going to sign a centre-half until Julien's out of the building. But some of the names, obviously, that were being mentioned, uh, Itakura being one of them, um, but Malik, is it Tian? Um, also 20-year-old German, Schalke, Schalke yeah. centre-half as well. But what I'm, the reason I'm bringing up these two names, because at this moment in time it's speculation, it's the transfer fees. So the only reason that Itakura is not signing permanently, also with Schalke, who are getting a lot of mentions here, um, is because they can't afford them. So obviously he was then in talks with gladback those talks broke down. But you're looking at £5 million plus for that player. Mm. And then the um, information that, uh, if it's to be believed, and, um, you know, why not? Because the source is someone who um, knows a lot about uh, this particular player. Um, but you know, if we go in for the Schalke player who apparently was going to be coming to Celtic, um, you're looking at eight million euros. So, if we sign Jota tomorrow, Colin, and this is what I'm saying, there's no way the Celtic board is going to shell out twenty-five to thirty million quid in one one transfer window. When, quite frankly, we're not it we're not selling a, a star asset. I know that the Juranovic chat has been out there uh, without st- selling a star a- asset. Celtic are not spending twenty-five to thirty million.
3: But I think you, this, the reason this season is slightly different to others is the fact that we are guaranteed that Champions League money. Mm-hmm. And even if Rangers make it into the Champions League, the difference between what you'll get um, for having two teams and what you get for having one team is literally a matter of 2 to three million pounds because it comes down to the, the TV money. Um, you're going to have sellouts outs at Celtic Park for the three games. Mm-hmm. You're going to have sellouts outs in the hospitality, etc. So they know that this money's coming in. They're almost guaranteed this money. Um, When you look at it, Celtic did it last year and made a profit. They turned around their team and made a profit. Mm. So they saw what Ange can do um, when giving them money. And now everybody goes on about how much Celtic spent this year. Last year, it was about £20 million in the transfer window. But we also brought in close to £30 million. So there is money in the bank. There is this sort of um, build-up that we've had. And... If you can continue to be successful, and you can trust the manager is going to bring in a player that you are going to get a comeback from, you are going to get a return on, you are going to make the, the Champions League. It is a gamble to take, but I, I think when you look at Andrew's track record, he's kind of earned that. Mm. He can go and spend that money. I wouldn't be surprised if Celtic spend between twenty five and thirty million pounds this year, but because you know that. If you put sign in the right positions and you strengthen properly, you're not going to have to spend that next year. Celtic are no. still in a rebuild position. Yeah, yeah. So it could be that next year you maybe only sign three or four players. And by and the way, call it a million pound profit.
2: See that what you've said there. There's a couple of other interesting points. You've got a second Champions League group campaign guaranteed, and also I think this time next year, if it all went to plan, you are then looking at one of these assets that you were talking about before probably being sold so at mm-hmm. that stage you've got Champions League money plus a £20 million bounty depending on who the player is so I think it does make sense I've been pushing for it at, at, you know £25 million Cody asked the question uh, a month or two back are the board prepared to spend the money I think they should bring in Jota and bring in one of the centre-halves that we've been talking about um, but it would push your spend up to £25 million plus which isn't really something we've seen from any Celtic boards in recent history
3: no, it is taking a gamble um, and it isn't, well, I'd say taking a gamble, but we took a gamble in the 10 in a row season as well, where we turned down the bigger bids for the players and we spent, what, best part of £20 million pounds on guys like um, a Yeti in that when We knew there was no money coming in, there was, no tra- the, sorry, there was no season ticket money coming in, we were playing behind closed doors, we took that risk there. So this board is starting to show it's a bit more risk-adverse when it comes to things like this. So I'm not overly surprised. Um, I think you might see in a year or two's time, you maybe end up being in a position where you do bring in more than what you spend. But right now, as part of this rebuild, you you have to do it. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. you're kind of sitting in a position 12 months from now where you're kind of stuck in a, a hole with no assets to sell and no money coming in from yeah. Europe. So mm-hmm. you've got to get yourself back into that position. As I say, it's taking time. It just shows you what we were left with as a, a squad from this time last year. And the the better performances that you have in Europe, the player values are only going to go up and up. So it is, a case, it is a case of speculating to accumulate. It goes back to the old... Um, It goes back to the old quote from the Bunnet when he says if you build it, they'll come. If you put that team on the the park, the bids will come in.
2: Aye, and the success will come as well. Um, Just a very quick one before we move on, uh, talking about departures. What's your thoughts on Liam Scales, Adam Montgomery? Um, Do both players still have a future at Celtic?
3: It's interesting to see Liam Scales being put into this sort of left centre back role. Mm. um, Because that was something we were crying out for last year was a left-sided centre back and he wasn't really given the chance in that position. So I guess a season at Aberdeen, if he goes on and does well, he's still fairly young. He could potentially have a future. Um, Adam Montgomery, we know uh, that there's been the the idea that he would be eventually the first choice left back. He was obviously transitioned from a, a left sort of midfielder position. back the way, I don't think that ever really works. Um, we've seen that happen at Celtic before and I don't think it's really worked. So... It'll be interesting to see how he does at St Johnston. They've got a massive season ahead of them after the disaster that was last year. So, if he goes on and does well, then um, I'm sure that there'll be a spot for him in the the season squad next season. I just hope it goes a lot better than his loan spell at Aberdeen did.
2: Yeah, didn't work out too well for him, did it? Um, yeah. Interesting enough, you you do have quite a knowledge on Aberdeen because they ask you regularly on to, is it red tinted glasses? Yep. Um, the Aberdeen show for your Celtic take on various things. Um, so I know that you keep an eye on on uh, that particular side. But you mentioned earlier because I remember last season the name Lewis Ferguson getting linked with Celtic. I wouldn't. You know, I don't think we're operating in that that field now. But there's talk of him going to Millwall, two million quid. Are you surprised at that?
3: I've seen today that he's turned that down. And he's looking to move abroad, which is an interesting development. I don't think a lot of players take that opportunity up. I think a lot of more Scottish players should go abroad. They seem to have a bit of success when they do. Guys like Ryan Gold, mm. um, being the, the sort of prime example there. The, Ewan the market, Henderson. Yeah, the market isn't all... Uh, Liam Henderson, sorry. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. The market isn't always just down south. It's go abroad and test yourself and you never know. You might end up with a fantastic agent like Ollie Burke and end up back in the Bundesliga.
2: The most expensive Scottish footballer of all time. Incredible.
3: Okay. Um, Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but the first
2: time you went to a Celtic game, Colin, was in 2000. Yes. Uh, It was Celtic against Dundee United, Mm -hmm. and it was the final game of the John Barnes and Kenny Dalgleish era. Barnes had long since gone, Dalgleish was in charge, interim charge, um, and he was in the dugout with Tommy Burns, etc. And that game is memorable not only for it being your debut as a Celtic fan... But a mustachioed Henrik Larson came on as a sub. It was his first game back after his leg break against Leon, right? Um, Why am I talking about that? Well, we have been linked with his son, Jordan Larson. I just want your take on this, right? Because we've got a a situation, obviously, with a player who has got a big market value um, and he's available on a free because he's a free agent because of the scenario uh, at Spartak Moscow where he was playing. Are, are we all just getting a wee bit nostalgic and romantic about this or is it something that we should maybe look at and pursue? Look,
3: like If you look at the, the, the guy's quality and take his second name out of it, he is a, a fairly decent player. He is someone that we'd probably be linked with. I just think if you look at it and um, you've got that Larson name and you get it on the jersey and uh, I think it, it puts a lot of pressure on him and whether he can live up to that... Um, is on him. I don't really remember many offspring of very successful players going on to have great careers. Maybe Maldini being the, the kind of the main one I can think of right now. But it is very it's very difficult. I think you'll have a lot of pressure on him if he was to sign for us again. With the fact that it's a free transfer, it might be a bit easier. Um, but I think I'd, I, as much as you'd like to see it. I'd Hate to see it fail. Hmm. I'd, you'd hate to see him kind of go away with the sort of well, he was nowhere near as good as his dad. I mean, to look at when Paul Douglas signed for Celtic as well,
2: yeah. But that's why you remember Jordy Cruyff, he used to wear the name Jordy on the back of his jersey yeah. for that. You, you wanted to be looked upon and, and regarded as his own man. I mean, that's that's going to be a difficult task with a name like Cruyff, and um, but it's a bit like but. Larson as well you know because his dad was is such an icon at Celtic Park um, but taking that away from it you know if he was to come in and it was a free transfer he, as I say he's got a market value Celtic might be all over that and the merchandise and opportunities may be massive well, as
3: well that's your transfer budget for next year sorted if he does sign and take the number 7 jersey but
2: that's it you can't give him Yakimakis his number now mate well
3: that's very true I'd that's the thing
2: Absolutely, I just wanted to know your, your, your feelings on that Because I know that obviously Larson, like many of us um, Has a, a place in your heart It's interesting when you get to my age Where you've seen the dad and the son both playing uh, Because you, you used to hear stories of Jordy Croy for, um, Who was the other one, uh, Michael and Brian Loudrop's dad played mm. And all this kind of stuff But obviously now we're at that stage where we're, we're seeing both careers Because we're, we're edging into you in, in your 30s Me in my 40s Are you in your 30s yet? Aye. Not yet Oh, me, well there we go um, We have uh, various age groups Within our contributor base at Axom Ranging from I think early 20s Right up to I don't know what age Jim Moore is But he's older than me I think um, Let's say the 50s uh, The fifties. Thanks everybody for getting involved JP will be back next week Colin hopefully will also be making an appearance At some stage next week as well It's always a pleasure Thank you Colin Watt Thanks everybody for joining us on A Celtic State of Mind